You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. Hello, this is Marquis Laughlin. Welcome to another edition of Bible Prophecy Daily, uh, the podcast just to, that's here for you to uh, build you up and to deepen your understanding of the end times and all things concerning the last days. Today is going to be interesting because I'm going to focus on uh, King Solomon. Uh, interesting character, but definitely high on my uh list of draft choices as I guess I would put it if I was going to if I had the opportunity to to ask someone about the end times King Solomon might definitely make my top uh, my top 10 definitely probably top five um, because God gave him an amazing amount of wisdom um, and uh, many many scholars believe that he gave him wisdom that surpassed any other man outside of Jesus Christ so what a what an amazing prayer he prayed uh, to receive that wisdom from God but um, what kind of insights can we learn from looking at uh, Solomon and the way he saw uh, creation God's work man's work uh, what kind of insights can we look at and apply uh, principles that we can apply to Bible prophecy in the end time. So that's what we're going to look at today. Just a very interesting uh, topic. I think of people, you think of people you would like to talk to about the end times or you plan to talk to when you get to heaven. Um, I think of Enoch. I want to definitely drill down on him, boy. Um, and uh, yeah, obviously Moses, you know, these are people who have insight into um, into uh, uh what God's plan was. Daniel, a very impressive uh, uh, array of, of uh, displaying that he understood the times and the seasons. He had a real grip on that. And remember, uh, God gave uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego all, uh, all of them uh, wisdom and knowledge. It says God gave them a ton of wisdom and knowledge about all kinds of things. So, so whenever you read that in the scriptures, uh, you got to think, wow, who who is God giving this wisdom and knowledge to? Let's find out what they think about things, uh, and at least um, be trying to apply their principles uh, to uh, get a better understanding of what we're looking at. So hopefully that's what this will do to you. I want to give you a little background on King Solomon. Um, uh, you see in First Kings chapter 10, we read that the Queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. So she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great retinue with camels bearing spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she told him all that was on her mind. And Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing hidden from the king that he could not explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, and the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, and his burnt offerings that he offered at the house of the Lord, there was no more breath in her. <laughs> and she said to the king, The report was true. 
that I heard in my own land of your words and of your wisdom, but I did not believe the reports until I came, and my own eyes had seen it. And behold, half was not told to me. Your wisdom and prosperity surpassed the report that I heard. Happy are your men, happy are your servants, who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God, who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel. Because the Lord loved Israel forever, he has made you king, that you may execute justice and righteousness. So, here's the proof in the pudding. Solomon prayed, and he received this great wisdom and it's kind of verified by another ruler a queen who came and she says it's more vast than i could understand and of course it, when you dig into the scriptures you find that solomon knew all kinds of things i mean all kinds of biology botany all about trees and plants and oak he he had a depth of knowledge of all kinds of things so it was really interesting so that's why I, I find him a, a, an interesting character. About, <clears throat> I, don't, I want to say about 12 years ago, I memorized the book of Ecclesiastes, which is really what I'm going to focus on here because I'm more familiar with it. I know I could spend uh, hours in, in uh, Proverbs pulling those principles out too, but Ecclesiastes is a, really a sermon. Uh, many believe that Solomon wrote uh, towards the end of his life. So it's kind of a, I've been there, done that, and let me tell you how things work. A sermon and um, very much, uh, very deep, lots of truths in them. People ask me, what's the most difficult book of the Bible you've memorized? And Ecclesiastes may be one, may be the most difficult. Um, Revelation is definitely difficult, um, uh, but it, it, it's pretty close because Ecclesiastes, Solomon has some really um, <clears throat> deep thoughts in it that have repercussions for how we understand God's world and creation and God. And so you have to digest those. And, you know, this is a smart guy. So you're, you're trying to understand what he really said and uh, really meant by what he said and where he was coming from. So it's a, there's a struggle there. But I have gleaned some things out of the book of Ecclesiastes that apply to the end times. They have an indirect reference or they show that Solomon had an understanding, a picture of the big picture. And that's why I love um, this book as a choice to try to figure out what, how he saw uh, God's story <clears throat> and, you know, from the beginning to the middle to the end. So that's what we're going to do. Um, chapter one of Ecclesiastes, uh, uh, it, uh, the, the, the famous verses uh, where Solomon has just said, everything's meaningless. And then he says, in verse 9, what has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. He goes on to say in verse 10, is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has been already. In the ages before us, there is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of latter things yet to be among those who come after. So what he's saying is, you think something's new? No, it's already been here long ago. Now, that's hard for us to digest in our, um, oh, we're in an age of technology, so we can't imagine that any of the technologies existed, even though we have evidence of things that clearly ha are technologically more advanced than what we can do right now. There's plenty of evidence of things. I mean, the pyramids stick out pretty obviously, but there are tools, all kinds of things that have been found, uncovered, that um, display 
technology of an era that we we have not yet experienced. And so Solomon's saying, hey, there is nothing new under the sun. It is repeating. And remember, he's he's making this statement after he has said, look, things just the, the sun goes around and round and the waters return to where they come from the rain falls the water returns he's 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 put pointing out cycles the cycles of the wind the repetitiveness of things of time and that's a really a really good understanding that um god is sovereign and that he has fixed things in a way that they revolve they, they it's almost clockwork in its nature um and we forget how quickly we forget everything and then it repeats again so just a really that's a that's a big picture uh thing that we need to remember to add to our understanding of god and time and the timeline we're on um he goes on to say in verse 14 and 15 of ecclesiastes chapter 1 he says i have seen everything that is done under the sun and behold all is vanity and a striving after the wind verse 15 says what is crooked cannot be made straight and what is lacking cannot be counted so he's here's a reference literally to the um the futility of man trying to do something on his own when he is in a broken system adam has already sinned um uh solomon is looking at that and going you you know you we can't straighten out mankind only God can. So we can't add anything to what God has done, which is another, uh, he says in another verse uh, that um, you can't add anything to what God is doing. Um, God does it so that men will revere him. Um, and so that's a profound statement about God's sovereignty. I know we'd like, we'd, we'd like to think that what we're doing or what we do is more important than it really is. But really, only what God does will last, and only what God does is important. And we have we have eternity in our hearts. We have a sense of it. That's what he says. Man is uh, God has set eternity in man's heart, but they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Uh, another principle, uh, pretty deep too, because you think if you can't really get a grip on what God has done from beginning to end, but we have this sense of eternity, we, that comes, that brings our sense of futility of, am I wasting my time? Yes, you are. And that's kind of the point of Ecclesiastes is that you can't do anything that's going to last forever. Only God can do that. And the only way we can satisfy uh, our, our thirst to try to want to do something forever. Here's a guy who did everything that anybody would want to do or want to have to accomplish. But the only way he can satisfy that thirst isn't through things he's doing and accomplishments he's making. It's through obedience to God. Because when we obey God, we get to join with him in his work. And that's what creates something that lasts forever. And that's what satisfies that thirst. We are God working through us satisfies our, our thirst, our need to accomplish something meaningful. And that's that's really what he's saying. So pretty pretty amazing. He says, uh, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. Now you know these verses. Uh, and he goes on to say in, in chapter three, uh, 
all of the the time references. What's amazing about um, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter three, this this times and seasons uh, section. Uh, he goes, there's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot. And he goes all all through. He gives us uh, 14 different times for different things. And, of course, he ends with a time for war and a time for peace. And if you look at this list of 14 different times or seasons, you'll find that they actually uh, are uh, an outline a pretty detailed outline of the seven days of creation, the creation account in Genesis chapter 1. And so he really is giving you a big picture of the big picture. He's drawing you a sketch of what he has understood to be what God is doing, what's going on. Pretty profound. You can look at it. uh, I I encourage you to go to chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes and compare that to the creation account. And knowing that God is going to rest, there's a time for war and a time for peace. He's going to rest on that Sabbath day. The the millennium, that's the kingdom of God. Uh, uh, he's going to rest, and he's only going to struggle with man for for uh, for a period of time. Uh, it's pretty amazing. I mean, it, it it it's amazing that he had this big picture. But what can we can glean from that? That's the that's the important thing. A a big overall outline of what God's up to. Um, I, I just yearn for that for folks because I know, especially in the prophecy circles, we tend to get wrapped up in, in really the, the details and the minutia and focus in on maybe one little thing here or one little thing there. And it's, it's great to know those things and to understand them better, but I think it's very important um, and perhaps overlooked in its importance to have a, a big picture macro view of what God is doing because it, that really builds your confidence in his word and in his faithfulness and his character. Here's, yeah, here's a Ecclesiastes 3.14. I mentioned this before. It said, he says, I perceived that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. And then he goes on to say, that which is already has been, that which is to be already has been, and God seeks what made what has been driven away. See, here's a, a an interesting um, concept, and it's also found in Isaiah. Isaiah, uh, I think it's chapter 10. I, I'm not sure the, the reference, but there's a verse in Isaiah that says that the Lord God does nothing without first revealing it to his servants the prophets and that's pretty profound nothing he doesn't do anything without first telling so he's told his servants the prophets everything he's going to do beforehand and where do we find that we find that in the genesis account the 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 uh first few chapters of genesis the creation account tells the whole story of man Literally, as God's creating the earth, he's telling you what's going to happen in every age of man's history. And it's what an amazing thing. And here's Solomon in Ecclesiastes confirming that. He's saying that God made everything all at once. It's already existed. It are, we know our names were written in the book of life before the creation of the world. Before the world was created, we were already 
planned and all of the works we were going to do were already God already thought of them they already existed and it's coming it's just coming around to being revealed to us it's it's a whole different way of looking at uh God's uh, story and I call it it's very much like a script because you're you're um you have a script you have the director the writer the producer or whatever and he can stop and go on any page and go back and forth and look at it and reread it and but for the characters they're on one page and um one day he writes it but the characters they're still on the page until he films it puts it up and then brings it to life so it's it's kind of a different way of kind of out of the box way of looking at at our existence i love solomon now um one of the interesting things about king solomon is that he's really the only um other the only bible character uh other than the antichrist himself that is associated with the number 666 um in um first kings chapter 10 verses 14 through 15 let me read that to you now the weight of gold that came to solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold besides that which came from the explorers and the business of the merchants and from all the kings of the west and from the governors of the land so he was getting 666 talents of gold every year uh in revenue that was coming to him and um why that number and why do we see it popping up again in revelation it's only in one other place in the bible describing the number of people that were in a tribe when they returned from the babylonian exile so that's a, i think that's a very interesting thing others have pointed out that the name solomon is um a name that actually uh, you can break down into the greek uh uh you use the greek uh, way of breaking down uh, names into numbers and it does equal 666 so it's one of those names that does that but i just find that interesting but the fullness when you think about solomon the the idea of wisdom is very appealing he had it from god but it it was as much wisdom as god could give a man so it's the um there, there is a parallel there to the Antichrist because he is going to know dark secrets and he's going to have wisdom and people are going to be impressed who is like him. So they're going to want to have the knowledge that comes with um, uh, allegiance to the beast. So I think a lot of the, the idea of the mark is not just the buying and selling, but also the, the, um, the promise uh, that was back in the garden of Eden. You know, you're going to eat this tree. You're going to be like God. You're going to know stuff that you don't know. So that, that curiosity level, um, drives us to be, um, more than, um, you know, to, to have more, to lust for more and to lust particularly for more knowledge that's forbidden to us. So that, that lust for forbidden knowledge, maybe that might be something that has to do with, um, um, the number of the beast and it it you know it being associated in some way with solomon who knows but the the fascinating things there's so much more here that i could break down for you i just don't have enough time but just great stuff all of the um all of the uh characters are in the bible that they all of their stories hebrew says they've been written down for us 
as examples so that we could understand and be be um be more prepared and be able to endure and to be faithful servants of the Lord. So we are in such a clutch time in the church right now. We need to really look at those characters and really um, learn our lessons from them and um, try not to make the mistakes they made and try to do the things they did that were correct and recognize that what has been um, has been before. Uh, we, people have gone before us. They've walked through these stories, the dramatic times that we've we are experiencing, um, that are coming upon us. So there, there is nothing new under the sun. God knows everything that's going to happen, and He's shown us that He does over and over again. So when these things start to take place, when we see God pulling His plan together, um, as the world panics and worries. We will be. We can be encouraged, and that's why, that's why you and I study the end times, so that we can be a source of encouragement and grace and truth to others as the as we see these things start to unfold. So, uh, God bless you guys, Maranatha. May the Lord come quickly. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode.